Welcome to Rain City Supercars. I'm Dan. And I'm Nick. And we're recording live at Drivers Club, brought to you by Avance, Haggerty, Carter Subaru, Rainier Beer. Which, by the way, I see we got a Rain City Supercars got a shout out from Rainier Beer on their Instagram yesterday. That was kind of cool. Yes, it was. Nice yeah, job. I may have had a few too many on the dock, but thanks, Rainier. You can never have too many on the dock. <laughs> you were still floating. It's fine. Yep. Yeah. It was. I would have thought you were drinking today as you were jumping up and down on the child's tam- trampoline next door, so that was interesting. <laughs> I may have raided my neighbor's floating trampoline, which he said I could. Oh, I know. Oh, and I slip and slide. Had, yeah, you did, it, watching, <laughs> fun to watch. <laughs> cool. Yeah. yeah that that went like you guys think it did, by yeah. the way. I am 40, mm-hmm. which most of our listeners know, and me attempting a floating slip and slide went about as well as you would think. <laughs> well, you attempted the, the trampoline first, so yeah. that, was, that was the important thing. Not as not sexy Shana at all. goes, are you going to go out there? And I went, nope. <laughs> no reason we'd be two 40-year-old idiots out there jumping around. Yeah, I jumped off so, the yeah. trampoline onto the slip and slide and promptly just, like, face-planted. Yeah. <laughs> it's very graceful. You handled it well. You handled it very well. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Oh, 93 degrees today, so it was a good day to be at the, on the lake. Somebody, uh, a friend of ours texted me. He's like, you, you out in the Triumph today? And I'm like, no. Yeah, I was going to say, it, it, driving a convertible or with my, I was driving here with my windows down for about a minute. Mm-hmm. It was just like a slow, hot hair dryer <laughs> coming oh, into the car. It was God. awful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank I God for cooled seats. I've never, I've never driven the Triumph in over like 83 degree weather because it's miserable. Yeah. Because there's, I mean, even, even with the roof up, it's miserable. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, yeah, I was definitely enjoying having the Porsche back. And is it fixed? Yeah, good. Yeah, I've tested it extensively, and no fault of theirs. Like it was just, it was just a weird issue. I have that car has two map sensors, one okay. before, one after. They replaced the one before because that's what the code the code said to do. I mean, they have a guide. It did that, and then intermittently the second one failed. And so it's the same code, but there's only, you know, take or pick your map sensor. So. Sure. But it seems to be good now. I've put probably like 200 miles on it in the last week extensively, all different conditions, different heats. Everything. On it. Yeah, and not really. Just, you know, it seemed to do it at random before, but now it seems good. So I'm so glad to have that back for the next four days till we leave. Yeah, I, I, I just got the Maserati back. And I again, I want a huge, huge shout out to uh, Queen City Auto Rebuild and then Metropolitan Detail. Uh, John and everybody at Metropolitan took that car in and, and re-clear brought it for me. And it is, it go, it's gorgeous. They it looks better than new. It really does. It looks fact, better than new. I stopped by and saw John today before we, I came over here. And I was like, I, I, he's like, what do you need? I'm like, it just looks great. I'm like, I just need to tell you thank you again. Um, and they, they use, is it Steak? How do you say Steak. 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 Steak Dino Shield. He said it to me and I. Wrote it down, and I still forgot it. But um, it just looks incredible. Um, we, I guess you know, we got a little owie um, in a in a QFC parking lot. And I was initially when we had bought that car, um, we cheaped out and did not good film. <laughs> so yeah, paid the price unfortunately. But it, it looks incredible now. And I get, got the, got the Maserati back, and unfortunately the Subaru is in. I've got a I got a, a problem. I got an acceleration problem. So uh, our our good friends and sponsors at Carter is taking are c- taking care of me. They're trying to figure out what what's wrong with it, or if it's just something wrong with me. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, only got t- it's only got ten thousand miles on it, and I've been driving a clutch since I'm fourteen. I really hope I didn't fry a clutch. I don't know how I could, but like literally in that car, like you put it in, if you come out of first gear and, and in second gear, and it drops below two, down two thousand RPMs between two thousand and three thousand RPMs, it feels like. The, the motor's going it's like I, it's cutting off like I don't know mm-hmm. what's going on so it's probably a clutch I'm not gonna lie <laughs> I don't know so well I mean how many how many inches over stock are you on the tires I, I okay but I've done everything I've done everything correct I've, I've, I've aligned it correct all the all the lift I've never I didn't go above what Subaru well Subaru suggests you don't do anything to it but um, yeah you know and so so we, we could put that we'll into see. its own tip of the week. Like, <laughs> hey, one of the things that you do after you add a ton of tire to a car is you put a lot more strain on the drivetrain. Even yeah. like even trucks. Yeah, like, I know. Uh, that's I everything across the board. Lifting is a But it's funny because at 3,000 3, RPMs, the car just kind of takes off. So who knows? Yeah. We'll see. I have I haven't heard from them today, and I was supposed to. So, but I've been so busy adding a column. So yeah, we'll see. Uh, Carter Subaru tip of the week. Um, <laughs> I think could lead in. Yeah, yeah. thanks, Carter yeah, Subaru. Exactly. Uh, it has nothing to do with Subarus. It has, well, it does. It has something yeah. to do with every car. I wanted to do something really simple but really useful that everybody should kind of know. Um, because well, one, I've dealt with two windshields in the Porsche in six months, and rock chips in every vehicle I've had. I pepper my windshields more usually when I replace my windshields. Um, it's actually not because of a huge crack. It's because of the road trips. And if you're driving multi-state, 
And every the front of my car, of course, has paint protection, but the windshields get just trashed. They get sandblasted, literally. They have that now, though. Like paint yeah, protection you can get yeah. So that's one of the things I was going to talk about. Um, so to avoid all this in the beginning with, if you have a very expensive windshield, we have talked about this before, but I'm not. it's not the Carter Subaru tip of the week, but they do offer uh, clear protection film for windshields. Typically, it doesn't last for more than a year. And if you drive year-round in really harsh conditions, maybe even six months. But if you have, like, say... Uh, any Lamborghini ever, um, <laughs> and your windshield is ten to twenty thousand dollars, literally for a Murcielago. I think it's twenty thousand. Uh, it's and it's like that too for like an S class, the new Mercedes S class. Yeah, like the, all have, the technology. Yeah, stuff it, yeah. like that. This is largely worth it because it's like usually uh, it ranges depending on who the installer is and how well it's done. Between I've seen it as low as a hundred and up to like three to four hundred, maybe even five hundred, and some of the really rare stuff where they have to make it really, really clear. Um, but you know, the, in the cost of a windshield at twenty Wait, grand. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Don't you have to make it really, really clear? No, no, no. no, what? no like, but I mean, I mean it's like a windshield. <laughs> I know, but I mean like the edging and how well it's wrapped okay, in there and okay, stuff like that. Right, gotcha. But I mean, it is it is worth it depending on the vehicle you have. Uh, like example, the Land Cruiser windshield's like two hundred bucks to replace, so probably not bother. Just go to say if like get it replaced every six months. But you know, like I said, if you have got an exotic and F forty or something where it's just like you know this is impossible, like absolutely worth it. I think I'm pretty sure our friends at Metropolitan do it actually. Yeah. Um, that said, I want to talk about, uh, the chips. So you can't fix a sandblasted windshield. I've asked everywhere and you can get, you know, chips filled, but when a windshield is sandblasted, it's done. Um, but if you are going to repair a chip, the process is actually pretty simple. Um, so if you've seen it done, it kind of makes sense. They put like a, like a, it's like three suction cups and then, a, uh, they drill out the center of it. And what they do is your windshield is in, in laminate layers. You have an inter- outside layer and an inside layer, and there's like a laminate film in the middle of it. That's what makes it shatterproof. So that if you get a massive rock to your windshield, it's going to shatter the windshield, but it's not going to break through into the cab and hit you in the face. It's safety glass. Um, and what this does is it, they, re- they drill it out, and they remove the air and the moisture from inside that laminate area, and then they fill it with a resin, and they use a UV light to harden that resin and then polish it. Because they suck the air out, and then when they put the resin in, that it, it fills it, all it, those it little sucks micro. Sucks the resin crit. into it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it sucks the resin into it. So it it's really really light. That stuff. Uh, I had a chance to look at some. It's not thick like gel, like you think. It's actually look more like water almost. Hmm. That's how it gets into all those little tiny places. It's really really thin, and then they UV it and rock hard. And yes, it's as good as new. Um, you're gonna have a tiny tiny little speck, like a little sand speck, of where they did that if they do it right. And it really depends on the technician. <laughs> Let's be real clear. You're saying I shouldn't go to the guy in the small tent in the mall car- parking lot? You know, lot? maybe if he's done a thousand of them that day, he might be the best guy out We've there. We've all I'm seen not that. Here to, like, yeah, yeah, exactly, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so there's usually your insurance covers them for free if you have a good policy. I have seen some rather predatory policies, and I'm going to call this out that everybody should know about, where this can count as a comp claim when it's like 30 to 50 bucks to do it out of pocket. But if you run it through your insurance, most insurance companies, any insurance company worth its salt usually has a pass for that. They're like, hey, it's way cheaper than us replacing your windshield. So yeah, we're going to cover it for you. Or they'll be like, you know, 10 bucks out of pocket or 50 bucks or something, depending on the car. But be sure of that. Check your policy. You can get charged for a comp claim for a windshield rock chip, Phil, and you can watch your rates skyrocket because of that. Huh. That's what I wanted to bring up. I have seen that, and I personally, I think it's absolutely predatory. But that's how it works. It's just a, it's a really simple process. Yes, it's as it's, it's safe as original, um, and you can do it. You know, it, it here's the the one check though. If you leave a, a chip unchecked, like you get a you get a, a crack and you don't fill it, ninety percent of those, ninety percent of them will spread. Well, because especially in the heat and the cold, yep, correct? Yep. Yeah, and the heat, and that's what I was going to say next. The heat and the cold is what agitates that. You don't see it. You can't see it. You know, because it's so little, but your your windshield expands and contracts in heat and cold. Oh, I learned that the hard way on the BMW. I got a chip <laughs> on the BMW, and I took it home on a really hot day, and I... And then the next morning? No, my parents had a wonderful garage that had hot and cold in it, and it was really cold, and I sprayed the windshield down with cold, cold water. And it, I mean, yep. gone. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like I had the guy, I had to have the guy come to the to the house to replace the windshield because I could not drive the car. Oh wow. Yeah. So yeah. My my stupid fault. But yeah. Yeah. So that's. So, yeah. I was going to close with that. If yeah. you do get a chip, you should above all else try and go to a glass place. Any find somebody who's got a good rating. Look at the reviews online and get to them the same day as soon as humanly possible. Chances are, if you got it the night before and it's a day like it's ninety three degrees now and it drops to like seventy at night. You're not going to survive to the next day. It's too much of a heat, uh, hot and cold flux. Yeah. So, anyway. Well, you know. Answer Carter's super tip of the day. Take care of your windshield. Yeah. So, should we introduce our guest? Sure. 
Go you, for it. <laughs> Hans, <laughs> Hans Whirl, welcome to the show. Hans just is making with, you uh, do it because you know I'd screw up his last name. <laughs> it's a tough give one. Give it a whirl. Yeah, yeah, give it a whirl. Oh, there it is. Give it a whirl. I'm sure he's yeah. never heard that before, Dan. <laughs> he told me that. Yeah, yeah. sure, sure. sure. Yeah. Single syllable words. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it makes it easier. It makes it easier. Well, thank you for having me. It's good to yeah. be here. Yeah. I mean, uh, you're, you're a local guy here. I mean, well, you've been local for a while now that you said you're working out of your house, but you're usually a little bit more, more mobile when it's not a pandemic time correct yeah pandemic time has me very very local as (laughs) as most people i i don't really have a lot of desire to go to the airport these days but no i'm born and raised in this area and uh and uh, apart from a couple years when i was in high school living in canada i've been here the whole time work from home professionally you know for the last six years for gooding and company and uh but yeah, been a little, uh, a little stuck at uh, stuck at home a little too much recently, as I as I know everyone. Yeah, has. Gooding is one of my favorite auctions to go down to. So you guys have been there. Oh yeah, you've yes. experienced yeah. all oh, this. Oh yes, 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 good, yes. good, I mean, good, yeah. good. I mean, because you know, Dan and I the do a ton auctions. of work for Concorso Italiano, and so we're always down there. But it, it, it's a different, it's a different vibe. It, it always is, you know. I mean, and they all have their own thing. Like you yep. know, the Meekum, <laughs> Meekum is wild and crazy. Bear Jackson is like. Meekum on crack, and Gooding is just kind of calm, and I mean it's it's sophisticated, and mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a good time. So, yeah. And the, I mean, in fact, some some of the older catalogs are sitting in front of us here, and I was going through them, but it it, it looks like a coffee table book. Like it's it's something that. You know, <laughs> yeah. Well, we yeah. pride ourselves on having a high quality experience, both with the books and yeah. being a client or being a spectator. You know, the entire time Gooding and Company's looking out for, you know. You know, making sure everyone's enjoying themselves, sure. and it should be. I mean, no matter what, we're we're obviously in the business of selling cars at auction, but it better be fun. Yeah, it yeah. better be fun, or no one's going to want to do it, right? So, I mean, were you always the car kid? Always a car kid. Yeah, always from. I mean, from day one, my when I was two years old, my nickname was Motor because okay. I, all they made was <laughs> engine sounds, literally. Okay, you know, and so we yeah. all learned, we had to learn to talk every different way. It's fine. Yeah, Good no, for you. exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and, and I, my knowledge hasn't really moved much <laughs> past that now. <laughs> But yeah, always a always a car guy. Um, had a couple of influences in my life as a kid. You know, friends of my dad's, an uncle who was a car guy. Like like most people who really got into it. I didn't have a, I didn't have fancy cars at home. My dad wasn't a big car guy, although he always appreciated it. But uh, there were other influences that steered me that way. And so, I mean, to my detriment, my entire adolescence was, you know, was basically car biased. You know, whether people liked it or not. There's nothing wrong with that. No. Well, unless you're trying to do things like, you know, graduate from high school with good <laughs> grades and, you know, stay out of trouble for not driving too fast, all those types of things. But no, I... Oh, I've never had that. Yeah. 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 We don't know what you're talking, talking about. about. Can't relate. Yeah. It was, it was, it was it's pretty singular focus, you know. There's a lot of us out there. Yeah. Eight, eight million Hot Wheels. Uh, how many speeding tickets? Um, all of yeah. it. I mean... Nick hasn't changed a lot since high school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, why was that better now? <laughs> I was say, I haven't been pulled over in a long time. Either have yeah. I. It's, it's weird that, I mean, I, I mean, obviously I'm more and more cautious. Yeah. And I mean, but I... Uh, and there has been... I feel like there's... We talked about this a little bit. There's been a lot of people that have been taking advantage of this COVID and they've been out on the roads. Like, and like... <laughs> I mean, cars passing me like Ford Tauruses, and I'm like, dude, you're doing a hundred. Like, yeah. <laughs> come, like, stop. Yeah, I was yeah. having a spirited drive up ninety, and I was not the fastest car on yeah. the highway, and I'm like, okay, this is nuts. <laughs> yeah, it's a little f- bit of a free for all. The yeah. first two three weeks were pretty good for getting out. Weren't oh they? yes. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. I re- social distancing. We were I social was distancing. Very yeah. very being very yeah. careful to yeah. be by all by myself. But yeah. yeah, you you could kind of. I mean, I always head south from where I live and end up in like Hobart and all those oh, types yeah. of areas, yeah. and you could kind of do whatever you wanted. It seemed out there. At least I. I felt like lawless. Did, so. Little, it was a <laughs> little, little bit lost. Little, little, it was little. just no one out there. It was yeah. incredible. Yeah, you, know? you weren't bothering anybody. There's nobody to hit. It was great. I don't know that we'll have that experience it. again. I don't know <laughs> I don't either. It, it's interesting, isn't it? Because we had never had that before, and I don't know that we'll have it again. Hopefully, we don't. Have well, it nobody's again. gonna. You know, I wish we'd have another pandemic so I could speed. Oh gosh, <laughs> you know? yeah. so, obviously, it trade doesn't roll off the tongue like you want it I'm to. No, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I love your official title. It was very confusing. Uh, <laughs> you are a specialist. Yeah. That's it. Uh, you're a specialist. Yeah, I'm a specialist. So I'm part of a team at Gooding & Company. Gooding & Company is, a, you know, roughly 20 people, and we put on auctions. And so we buy, you know, excuse me, we sell cars for clients at auctions, and that takes all kinds of people. And I'm part of a team uh, that deals with the cars and the clients. So we're we're specialists. And, and uh, I guess it ha- can have all kinds of connotations. But, you know, we've been 
pretty lucky to have a really great core group of guys that are really, really knowledgeable. And, you know, the description fits depending on, I guess, on what we're doing that day. Well, so are, so are your team, are you guys going out and finding the cars for the auction and preparing them and, and preparing all that kind of? Yeah, cars come to us in all different fashions. They can come just on a recommendation. They can come through a, re- a relationship that you've been nurturing for 25 years. They can come from your father's best friend, They, you know. Um, but in a general sense, yeah, our job is to is to you know, handle the consignments of the cars coming into auctions and then handle the client relationships in general, you know, worldwide. Um, you know, we obviously have a really, you know, uh, varied and big client list. And so the, the job of handling the client load and, and the interactions with the clients is false to the specialists. And it's fantastic. And I, and I understand that like Dan and I have done some of that stuff and helped with Concorso, but it, it, it's, it's a little bit, of, I've, I've said it, it's like hand-holding in the fact that like, you don't just go up and go, you want to sell your car? Okay, great, sign this form. Thank you, have a nice day. You, there, people, we're, as we know as car guys, we're attached to our cars. Yeah. And you want to make sure that if you're going to sell a car, if you're going to let it out of the stable, that it's being, it's being treated right, it's, it's going to be sold to the right person, you're going to want to know the person it goes to. I mean, I still talk to the guy I sold my BMW to. <laughs> I don't funny. know if he really wants to talk to me, but... Uh, but Hi. Yeah, exactly. yeah. How's here. it doing? Can I have a photo? <laughs> Is it sleeping? No. So... But I have I have seen that in the fact that, that it's I don't want to say high maintenance because they're really uh, people in the car world especially that are selling at high end auctions like like uh, Gooding they they want they want high end they want the the white glove treatment yeah white yeah. glove treatment's a good way to put it you're looking it. at me like I'm crazy but I'm like yeah okay yeah. well it sounds like you want the white glove treatment well, no, I, for well, sure, I, yeah. I do I just don't have anything <laughs> to sell the white glove yeah so yeah. no it's 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 true and and uh, people in the car world are a cross section of society like anything else and so we we deal with a uh, you know. Uh, people of all walks of life with all kinds of experience and with all kinds of expectations and uh, everything from, you know, uh, an estate scenario where someone has passed on and, and someone who knows nothing about collector cars now owns eight of them <laughs> and, and needs some help. Uh, and then to the obviously the most astute and experienced collectors in the world, who many of whom, most of whom are a client of ours. So, yeah, the the expectations of people are different. The experience is different. And, and it's certainly it's actually kind of my favorite part. It's the it's the variance of the job. And uh, to be able to kind of talk to those people and and uh, we want to just serve everybody's needs, really. When it comes to selling a car, when you're dealing with the seller, it's meeting their needs. Obviously, the white glove treatment is just the way we operate and uh, everything above board. And and uh, we're real straight shooters. And uh, But we really, really want to meet the needs. And they vary from client to client. And so that's a nice challenge. It's a great challenge. I want to know a little bit more on how you got from being a kid here in the Pacific Northwest to doing stuff like that. But we're going to take our first break. And when we come back, we're going to get into that. We spend an average of 8 hours and 41 minutes a day facing screens. Laptops, smartphones, tablets, even digital refrigerators. But what are we really connected to? Isn't it time you connected to something greater? Sometimes the best way to connect is to disconnect. This moment of escape was created by Haggerty. For people who love cars. And we're back, and we left off, we were talking, well, how you came to be. You're from here. You said you moved to Canada for a couple of years? Yeah, we don't have to talk about Canada. It was a couple of years in high school. It was like another flame Canada. Canada. I don't don't even know why. I don't know. I I guess I'm an accuracy freak or something. I had to throw that in there. I haven't (laughs) been here the whole time. I don't know if I've ever heard anybody say that. Like, yeah, you know, I I went to Canada for for high school. Like, what? Well, it makes me sound interesting, maybe. No, it does. That's my my point. I like Like, Canada. I'm a big fan of Canada, but it's like, you don't hear that. You hear people like, oh, I grew up in Canada. I came down here for high school. Like, oh, yeah, makes sense. So, yeah, exactly. Like the mountains? Yeah. No, I grew up in Renton, went to Hazen High School, you know, just a, a local guy. My, my first car was a Baja Bug. Oh, cool. You know? Cool. That's a cool yeah, first that's car. Right. Yeah, it was a cool first car. Parents gave me 1500 bucks, and that was like the most intriguing thing I could find, you know, and I guess Auto Trader at that point. Oh, yeah. I think oh, it was an Auto Trader, the little print school, mag. Yeah. Oh, God, I miss it so much. Um, <laughs> yeah, saw the Baja Bug and then had to buy a Nova SS and had to, you know, had to switch it up. And You've had I, cool cars. Yeah, I've gone through cars. I, I've not, yeah, I've I've had cool cars. I guess I shouldn't say that. I, you know, when I do what I do for a living, I'm always like, oh, I really wish I could have that cool car, which I haven't had. But no, I've always tried to have enthusiast cars, and I've always been as soon as I could drive. Uh, I was always really about driving, and mm-hmm. for me, that's always been a big thing. Cars, and you know, I've gone and had a lot of exposure to car shows and concours and all this throughout 
throughout my, my professional life doing cars. But for me, when you ask what I want to go do with cars, it's always go for a drive or ride a motorcycle or something like that. It's just getting out and doing that. That's him to a T. Yeah. So I, I, I get immediately bored with cars that are cool on paper and you go drive them and you're like, this is stupid. Like I I want, I got to have function. Yeah. Got to function for me. Yeah. For me, it's always been about handling and or acceleration. You know, I mean, I always want my stuff to be cool and sound cool and look cool, but really, really much more about the way it feels from the inside. You know, I'll even drive something ugly. Are you a modifier? Do you take, do you take a car and kind of make it your own? A little bit, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, my, in, I'm not really working on your question of how I got to where I am, but yeah, we'll get my, my nine, my nine eleven is uh, is a long story, which I'll probably tell you guys. But I modified that when I owned it the first time. I've owned it twice, and <laughs> and uh, so I do like I do like modified uh, modified cars, and I'm and uh, I'm a little bit unique in like the collector car auction and or specialist world, where there's a lot of people that are really purists and they're into everything being original. And I do like tasteful and careful modifications. I think that there's. I mean, there's such an industry behind it. There's, I'm not the only one that feels that way, right? No, now. I, but but I understand the purest side of it and the fact, like, you know, they, they want a car that it, it came with, you know, it's got the original tires and the original wheels and, like, yeah. Certain cars are just too important to modify. I mean, they're, yeah. right. those exist. Yeah, I'm not going to go drop, you know, modify a Mura. Yeah, we, <laughs> we, yeah, and we deal with a lot of cars that you, when they get modified, it makes you gasp a little bit and you think, whoa, whoa, whoa what are they doing? That but, being said, I'm surprised somebody hasn't done that. Like, oh, like the crazy some cra- that's a Japan truth, seems like I was going to say Japan. Japan I can see really somebody in Japan taking a mirror and like wide bodying or the, doing something. There are yeah. a couple of modified mirrors I've seen are they? Yeah, okay, in media. Wow. Yeah, and then in in like the eighties, people were modifying mirrors, and now they've mostly been switched back. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. That, oh crap! Yeah. Now what is it worth? Yeah, that resto one we saw. It's not modded. It's just it redone. It was that green one with the blue interior. You can't forget that one. That one just yeah. went up for auction this year. I saw oh, it was wow. a bring a trailer. I think I think it sold for like six million or something. That I mean that. I don't remember what it, saw, it, it takes. It, Amira always stands out, especially yeah. on the lawn at Concorso. But that car was just yeah, that that blue was, interior, green. Yeah, so Mir- I agree. Mirrors are special. Cars. That was like the only car that could pull that off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What are you driving now? Is it 911 still, or you had it twice? Yeah. I'll, I'll, yeah tell yeah, me the story of that. Tell us the, the story. story. The, the, yeah. I, li- I like my 911 story. It usually yeah. goes over pretty well. So my <laughs> in uh, in 1996, I do you remember Brian O'Neill's sports car International on Lake City? Yes, right? I bought Every, an RX-7 from them. Right. So it was terrible. Yeah. So <laughs> that place. Yeah. So that place has. So I'll, I always, Great Yelp review, Dan. I always throw this in the there car. because that place that place always had a little bit of a sketchy reputation of having stuff that had been wrecked and fixed and all that kind of stuff. They weren't like the highest level car. I was driving by there, and there was a ice cream metallic seventy four nine eleven on the curb, with you know the total thing with like the price on the windshield and a balloon on the antenna, and I, I no no inflatable wacky hair I, guy. I turned around, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, the, those pre pre that pre, guy, pre, yeah, 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 and so I went in there, and, and it actually belonged to the sales manager's father in law, I think was the story, and he bought it new. And wow. it was a beautiful looking car. And so I had to have it, bought it. I had no business at that time financially owned or anything else owning a vintage 911 as my daily driver, but I bought it and it was done. I owned the car until, um, and this goes back into what I've done work-wise. I was working in retail basically at that time. I, I worked at Eddie Bauer and then at and it, uh, the Bon Marche. And then I... Uh, <laughs> I know it's a long time ago because uh, most of us bon, call it Macy's. Well, I turned to I Macy's bon when Mar- I was there. Okay. You know, you get, you're getting the full the full Absolutely. Fact. But anyway, I got a job um, eventually working on Porsches and became a Porsche mechanic. That was I was a professional Porsche mechanic and oh. I worked for Barrier Motors. And... Really, no. I mean, they're out of business now, effectively. So, yeah, hated Barrier Motors. There was really a time where there was a a culture issue in their shop, and that was the time I was there. And I went to work for Chris Powell. Chris is German Auto Service, which is still in here in Redmond. You're noticing a a trend here. Like he worked for the Bond, and they changed the name, and he left. He worked for Barrier, then he left, and they changed their name. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) a lot of influence. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, I was lucky enough to get hired on with Vintage Racing Motors, which is where a lot of people around town, if they know me from cars, they know me through that role, yeah. and and that enabled me to be in the market for a home. And so we, I sold my 911, and I and the, the the cool part of the story is that I sold it to a guy up in Snohomish who answered my ad in the Spiel, I think the PCA Spiel, and came to look at it with his wife, and he gave me X amount of dollars for it, and he and his wife were there, and they drove away in their two cars, and my 911 was gone. So. I worked for about 12 and a half years for VRM and was a mechanic there and then became the collection manager. And when I got hired on at Gooding and Company, uh, where I work now, I was able to 
I had kept in touch with the guy, like you were saying, yeah. you call the guy with your BM, old BMW. Yeah. I had kept in touch with this lovely guy who'd owned the car now for over 12 years. And I said, hey, you know, I think I might be able to buy this thing back. Can I have it back, please? And he yeah. said, he, and, and to, to make a long story short, he said, Hans, I've had all these opportunities over the years to sell the car, but you always kept in touch with me. And I've, I've literally kept it the last four or five years just so you could have it back. Because oh, <laughs> he didn't need story. the money. And yeah. he kind of enjoyed having it, but he was done with it. He hadn't driven it in a while. And he sold it back to me for the exact same amount he paid 12 years prior. And you know, with even a 74 911, yeah. that was a big deal. I mean, one of the biggest pieces of generosity I've ever experienced, because he, he said, well, what do you think you could pay? And I said, well, I, I can't pay a ton, but, you know, this is kind of the range. And he said, let me think about it. And he said, oh, I talked to my wife. We're going to sell it back to you for the same amount. And so he drove it back to VRM and parked it in the same place, he and his <laughs> wife, and then they left. <laughs> that's a, re- I mean, that's that's a great really story. cool. I mean, and I, I just love the story. And, and the generosity part of it makes me feel really great. But just yeah. being able to come full circle, I never wanted to sell the car. We do things that we have to do yeah. when we're growing up and getting married and then having kids. And, and uh, it left my life, and now it's back, hopefully to stay. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, it's a... You know, it's a it's a great car that I love, and I don't I don't take it out a ton, you know, time permitting and everything. But it's a, yeah, yeah, it's a part of our family now. So, what anyway. have you done to it? Well, when I so when I owned it originally, it of course had an issue, probably because where I bought it, right? But I uh, know <laughs> it burned an exhaust valve when I was uh, when I was a mechanic, and so it was a really neat thing where there were there were three cars involved: my car and a car at Chris's German Auto with a 2.2 liter that had blown the engine up. And then another guy who had broken the three point or the, the, the piston in his Euro three liter car and he bought a three, two. And so I ended up with this European three liter with a broken piston. And so I rebuilt that. And so it's got a European three liter in it. And I did cams and ported the heads and things like that. It's not crazy, but it's it's stronger, stronger than a standard two seven car by, by a large stretch. Yeah. And then, you know, lowered it and did suspension stuff. It's not flared. It's got, it's got little wider wheels in the back, but I didn't, I didn't go crazy. It's got aftermarket seats and steering wheel and stuff, but it's just, it it made it a little more enjoyable for my use. Did you you teach yourself how to work on these cars or did you go to school for mechanical school or it? Yeah, no, I, in high school, I worked at a German garage for a very short period of time, but in a lot of ways, yeah, I'm self-taught that Baja bug. I ran it into a stump one time and had to like change out the whole front end beam. We, I, I blew an oil cooler seal at the top of Snoqualmie Pass and we removed the engine at that Chevron there with a five gallon bucket and put a new oil cooler. Seal. That does we the, just I can see that crazy, happening at that Chevron. Yeah. Crazy stupid. Yeah. And I always had friends with Volkswagens, which is where that came from. So we were just like, oh, let's take the engine out. And my friend ran into town to get seals and ran back to the top of the pass so we could put a new one in. And but yeah, predominantly self-taught until I, and obviously when you get in a professional environment as a mechanic, you know, any, uh, you know, anyone's just, who's not an idiot is learning just right and left. Yep. So, you know, professionally, you know, professionally taught, self-taught, it's somewhere in the middle. Um, but then when you get at a place like um, Vintage Racing Motors, uh, the amount of different stuff that we worked on, and for anyone who doesn't know, they house a large private collection, but there's also a lot of customer work there. Yeah. And so it's race cars and you know, really, really crazy streetcars all the way from the, you know, 1900, all the way, you know, through the 70s and 80s. Yeah, we've seen some photos that have uh, come privately to us of stuff that goes through, stuff that goes through VRM is stuff you guys would not really believe is here half the time. They're like, that exists and it's here and it's being worked on here. That's VRM. It's such a cool place with a lot of good stuff. I think that's one of the great things. We, We say it over and over again about the Pacific Northwest is the amount of cars that are, that are here. I mean, you look at you look at uh, it's public knowledge. John Ottsbach's collection that just went through. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Here's the most valuable Mustangs in the world, and they yeah. were sitting in a yeah. warehouse in Issaquah. Yeah. That's probably one of the more under the radar. I mean, John was out there as people knew him as a collector, but yeah, but he, you know, he uh, he definitely had a collection that was pretty under the radar, even for local guys. Yeah, yeah. People would say, "What do you mean he was in Issaquah?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm always in Issaquah. John I saw a great, Shelby. You know, John's right? a great guy. I remember he showed up. He showed up in that that, nice that Shelby one time at Exotics. Out of the blue, like yeah. not a special day. Just oh yeah, this is the first one. Oh oh, is it? Just the first one. Okay, yeah, six, yeah. The okay, you first can, Shelby. You can have it in cap. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's 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 so awesome. But, special um, it's special great. car. How yeah. did you make the move to Gooding? Like what what brought you that way? I mean, it's a great opportunity for sure. I did, but I mean, what what made you think? Yeah, I want to work for Gooding and do auction. That's very different from VRM. I mean, yeah. I guess it's not in dealing with people the same way, but. 
different kind of career. Yeah, so my role at VRM changed uh, from being a mechanic. There was it was basically it's the classic. There was a role to fill that that didn't seem to be being filled, and so uh, when I moved into being the collection manager, that took me out of the workshop predominantly, at least, and into taking cars in the private collection and doing inc- I mean really incredible stuff, whether it was media tours or concours uh, or support at incredible vintage race events or whatever. And, you know, did things in Europe. And, and so that exposed me to people like, you know, David Gooding. And so one of the roles that I played was to, you know, you know, be part of the acquisition and selling of cars in that collection. And so I ended up at I've been to pretty much all the Gooding and Company auctions that have ever happened, you know, and for the first few years, obviously, in my previous role and now as a, as a specialist. But um, so I got to know, uh, as a client, I got to know the auction companies. And it was a pretty intriguing thing initially, just thinking about it from a career standpoint. I always felt that I was likely going to need a next step. I didn't think that my collection manager job was going to take me to retirement, right? So uh, I needed something more. And, and uh, once I got to know David and did a little business, uh, you know, with them and saw how they operate and had some, made some friends inside the organization and saw what a top notch and just very, I don't want to say, I don't want to say careful. Gooding and company just does things the right way and they always have, and it comes from the top. And so I could feel that and see that just as a client. And so it became a, a really, really natural fit for me uh, once I got to know them personally. And so, you know, ended up speaking with David over the, actually over the course of quite a long period of time about the potential of doing something before it, we actually pulled the trigger. Cool. I think you had mentioned it earlier, but like, I mean, everybody sees these auctions, they see them on TV, they see them there in Monterey, and they, and they think there's thousands of people behind the scenes. But I mean, there, it's a really, it's, there's a lot of these auctions and, and like concourse and things like that. It's a small group of people. That, I mean, there's volunteers and things that are the day, but like you were saying, how many people are on your team? Yeah, our full-time team is, is roughly 20, and that fluctuates uh, yeah. up and down, obviously, but we swell. It's great, and when I say we swell, it's not just like, hey, I know a guy who knows how to do this. Sure. We have an extended team of professionals people that, show that up when they come yeah. and, and work our auction yeah. events with us. Yeah, so yeah. Everybody, everybody from our on-site production team who is just like, amazing and our security team and our caterers everybody who comes and works at our client services desks as greeters and things like that are absolutely top-notch and they have years and years and years of experience of coming to the getting on company auctions and working with us so there's not a lot of turnover in those positions because people really enjoy it and that has enabled them to get to know our clientele and so it's a very uniform year after year uniform kind of group of people that you experience at Gooding and Company, which is great. And that's above and beyond our core group of 20. Um, I was going to ask, like us, we see so many cars come through. I'm just looking at it at Drivers Club and like this 962 staring at me and <laughs> things like that. Become Don't look cut. at it. Yeah. Like it's so pretty. Yeah. Um, mm. But they, they, in a strange way, become normal. The seeing things like this come through are still exciting and, and stuff like that, but it becomes normal when it's a big part of your life. Is there a car that has jumped across the block or one that you come across with that just kind of blew your mind or really kind of made you stop for a second? We get we get renewed enthusiasm all the time. Yeah. And most of it comes from, from at least for me personally, from cars that we pull out of garages that just haven't been seen forever. And then there's instances where we get a, you know, we get to, you know, have in our possession and hopefully transact a car that you've had as on your own list of dream cars, you know, and one of those would be like the 312 T, uh, T2 that we sold last year at Pebble Beach. And for me, that was just an absolute bucket list car even to experience, let alone to be able to consign and then find a new buyer for. So, um, but garage finds and barn finds as popular as they have been, you know, Mm -hmm. in this general vernacular in the, in the collector car industry for me personally are, you know, what really, really get me ramped up because just stuff that's been sealed away. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's certain examples of even a little more pedestrian when I say pedestrian, like a pedestrian Ferrari. I mean, in our, in our online sale that we have coming up that starts next week, um, we, we've got this amazing 275 GCB that's a six carburetor car with a torque tube, which is the best specification. And it was factory fitted with an outside like racing filler cap on the rear quarter panel. And that's a, that's a car that's been in the same ownership forever. It's super original. And we've done lots of 275s, but when you get that 275, it's super exciting. That's what really, really gets us energized is to be able to get 
the highest quality or things that are off the radar. You know? There are unique cars among unique cars. <coughs> I want to go back to something you were talking about, barn finds. And, and we've talked about this with our previous guests. You think that's going to continue to be a thing? I feel like there are so many people out there on the road looking for the barn finds and looking for the, you know, the chargers that are hidden away in the in the in the farmer's barn or the the farmer back in 1960 who bought a Ferrari or traded it for a tractor and he put it in the back. I'm seeing less and less. I mean, you know, it, you you had the the you know old days of, of speed TV and Wayne Carini would always be in Connecticut digging some Packard out of the back of a garage. I, I, I hear those stories less and less these days. Do you still, are, you, are you still seeing that happening? We are. And uh, I guess there's probably a little bit of a fall off, but I do seeing it continue. I think that it's probably going to follow some, you know, demographic lines with things like baby boomers dying off. There's going to be more and more because there's still lots of stuff in garages. It's been incredible. Even things like 356 speedsters we've in, in Southern California. I mean, we must've sold four or five now that were at least, first or second owner and had just been locked away forever and ever. And, and, uh, we, we, we do see a lot of it. We also have a lot of them come across our desk that don't end up in our auctions. So there's still a lot out there. There really is. And, and I do think the enthusiasm is going to continue for them because it's a, it's an incredibly romantic proposition. Everybody who's a car guy story cranes yeah. your head out of your window when you drive by any open garage and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't even matter what you see. Oh, that guy's got an old pickup truck in there. Right. Oh, isn't that cool? Yeah. There's just something about the romance of finding an old car in a garage or a barn that is never going to go away. And, and, uh, so I do think there's still some gems out there. Uh, I, I think we'll see more. Or we need and to I start hope, putting stuff in garages and leaving. And I hope it. so. <laughs> you know, the, the, the most wonderful thing about garage find cars when they come to auction is that it allows you, if it hasn't been messed with early on, but really original cars that have just been locked away, is it allows uh, the the potential buyer to see something that hasn't been messed with and it hasn't been, there, there's only the original version of it for for them to contend with mentally. Preserved there's history. Not an, there's not another four layers of paint and a bunch of Bondo and some fender flares that don't belong there for you to work <laughs> around, right? And so it, people have, have asked us, you know, over and over, why does, you know, why is there so much money being spent on these cars that are all dirty and original? And yeah. and you say, because you don't have to get past that. You, you, you're seeing the original article, no matter what its condition, really. I love it when auction companies do that. When they pull a car out of a, a garage or, or a barn and they don't touch it. Like it's, it's sitting there with, you know, the rat's nest or whatever it is. And they sell it that way because like you're saying, you're, you're viewing history. I mean, that, the last time that car saw light was when whoever pushed it into the garage for whatever ungodly reason. So, yeah. And even if you want to restore it, I mean, that's, that's fine. I mean, you know, we love it when very original cars are obviously left alone, but even if you want to restore a car, it's a great, that's a great restoration candidate. Something that you can see everything you're getting. It's all the warts uh, are right in front of you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, it it goes back to your Porsche story. It's the stories. It's the fact that, you know, you're talking to the little, little old lady who had the, you know, who had the Porsche Speedster who bought it, you know, when her husband died and she didn't drive it. And then, you know, or, or she drove it every day and then put it away three years ago when she lost her license. And it's, it's always good stuff. So, yeah, yeah, there's no, uh, one of my favorite photos that's actually strangely had it bookmarked because uh, I was looking at it last week. Jeremy Cliff photo, I think is the site. Yeah, jeremycliff.com. And it's a Mira orange barn find. And they did like an actual photo shoot where they found it uh, like in a woodshed with its tires on the side, like they had been taken off the car. And instead of like cleaning it all up, they literally just put the tires on it and put it into a dark like warehouse and did all the lighting. And it's just exactly as they pulled it out of the garage. It's a beautiful photo set. Um, but yeah, it's like, you guys can kind of see it here real quick. I mean, yeah, it, that's the, yeah. Like artfully lit with all the dust on it. Yeah. It's just perfect. I'm like, Oh, I love it. Yeah. It's romantic. Right. And you, you wouldn't drive it like that and you're eventually going to clean it off and wash it. But, but it's great just to see it. And, and, uh, yeah, I mean, there's something about being, having the opportunity, especially to purchase something like that in its, in its state. And that's why we don't, that's why we don't clean them. And, you know, people say, Oh, there's money in that dirt and all that. And that's maybe there is, but really you, d- you just want people to say, this is what we found. This is what was found. It's a visual story. You know, seeing the dust and helps. You, and, and yeah. you react to it however it is you yeah. want and, and bid accordingly. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you want to bid more, you please, can. I mean, well, you know, exactly. Please. Have you <laughs> ever had the, uh, I guess, is it a conflict of interest? If you find a car, can you bid on it as an employee? That, I mean, not when you've consigned, but if you like, have you ever seen a car come across and you're like, Mm, do I ask yes, for forgiveness please, I when I get that. home? Yeah, yeah. yeah. There, there's certainly times where you uh, where you'll fall in love with something when you get to the auction site and you say, "Well, I wonder if that went for this, yeah. right?" <laughs> you know, if I could if I could get it, you know, because I mean, 
very clearly most of the stuff we sell is, is out of my personal price range. But yeah, there are times I've never put my hand up in a sale. I don't know what, I don't think any of my colleagues have. I think we'd probably have to prearrange something like that. But uh, uh, yeah, there's, you certainly have, I mean, we fall in love with cars in the, in, the, in the auctions every single time we get there and they all show up in one place. And that's one of the interesting things about our business is that we, we work so hard and we travel and we visit all these people and see all these cars. And then there's this week where they all come to the same place. And we get to experience them just like you guys coming in as spectators or buyers. Or it's really, really great to be able to 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 see it all come together like that. There was, yeah, there was a th- red three fifty five six speed that came across the block. We were we were at an auction in California. Both Nick and I looked at each other like, hmm. Yeah. And right now, I can tell you, I am genuinely kicking myself. It would have been a stretch at the time. It would have been a really smart investment though. Yeah, because <laughs> it sold for like eighty five, I think. Yeah. But. 355 six speed. I mean, terrible motor, terrible car to drive, honestly. But the fact that it's such a collector's item, and you know it's a Ferrari, a Ferrari on the low just goes skyrocket later. They all do if they're manuals. 355 man- with a manual gearbox. And they sound is, so good. Is, that's, that's a great car to have money in right now, I think. And yep. it, they, they do. They, I like the way they drive. They sound fantastic, especially Coupe. I have a very good friend who just bought a, a silver with a red interior, one owner, oh, yeah. six speed, 355. And it's just absolutely drop-dead gorgeous i mean lipstick red and leather on everything it's just I, I, the thing is the thing is just really cool see it. sounds obnoxiously cool yeah obnoxiously <laughs> oh yeah cool. yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, like that that blue just interior about, on that oh, mirror like, oh yeah. yeah it's just like that yeah. it, well he's french too right? yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> oh in, you could just you should have led with that yeah, he, <laughs> yeah. He, he's in france so he gets to he gets to drive red red interior cars yeah no i didn't mean they're terrible to drive and that they they don't drive well owning one is awful because they're just so expensive to own yeah i mean any any modern ferrari is going to Gonna take your gonna take your money at some point. Yeah, little, well, the four, five, eight, and newer is pretty pretty good. But man, those earlier ones were just just a lot of throw ser- the money service in. Costs the, yeah, are, service yeah. costs are gonna Sticky kill buttons, you. All that kind of stuff. I don't think the new ones don't aren't motor out as much, are they? No, almost yeah, that's, none. That's what the. Yeah. I mean, you know, we have to take this interior out just to get to the uh, yeah, the pulleys. The, the yeah, belts. Yeah, yeah. Belts. yeah. yeah. No, there's a lot going on with that stuff. It's it's interesting. Yeah. So I mean. Yeah. Where where do you what what do you see as the next you know we we've we've watched we've watched muscle cars go through the roof we've watched I mean obviously and fall <laughs> I'm okay with that I I still want yeah, my no, 69 Charger me too yeah me too <laughs> so, you know yeah. me too. Well, I'll take a Superbird too if it fell out of a barn <laughs> you know so I mean what 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 do you think is going to be the next the next thing I mean we we've we've had all had the opportunity to be in Monterey and seeing you know the, obviously the classic Italians they they I feel like they're always going to be consistently on the up. I don't think you're ever going to see like, oh boy, I picked up a Mira for, you know, under a million bucks. I mean, I remember when the Countach's were nobody wanted those. Yeah, and then seventy-five, eighty grand for a Countach yeah. at a time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Then some PA ran one into a um, in a movie, and then all of a sudden everybody wanted one from Wolf of Wall Street or whatever. But yep. yeah, <laughs> well, there's the, there's certainly cars on the upper level that are always going to be total blue chip investments if you want to think about them in, as investments. And I. I don't always like to think about them like investments, but yeah. when you when you think of the next big thing that'll be popular, I think we're already seeing things like rally cars. I still think that there's there's competition cars of of a newer ilk in the in the '90s and 2000s that are gonna remain really really exciting and 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 popular with people. You know, it's always about uh, what was on your bedroom wall, as they say, right? Mm-hmm. So the blue chip stuff is is gonna remain is gonna remain strong. I still think that kind of 60s and 70s, you know, mid-level, small Italian Alfa Romeos, launches, things like that. They're so easy to own, easy to use, and they perform well, and you can do unbelievable events with them. I mean, you really, really can. Depending on what you buy, you can go to do events worldwide if you want with a car that's, you know, fifty to $100,000. And so that stuff's going to remain strong. And then there's just stuff like F40s and Carrera GTs that is you know the kind of a mainstay of, of yeah. collector car in that in that price range and those i think are are always going to remain incredibly popular f40s went up in price this week somebody yep. crashed one in australia so <laughs> right yeah the, the rarer car now it was on a test drive too oh that wasn't even the owner it was a guy test drive it i wonder how that went over i really do Somebody crashed the uh, the the McLaren Senna LM. The yeah, one, the orange one. Yeah, the orange one. So he was a professional race car driver. But <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm seeing I'm starting to see a lot more people. Maybe I'm just starting to see it like people of these these like the Nicky Lauder cars and things like that. The people are buy- personally buying the the F1 cars and they're driving them. They're taking these events. There seems to be more events that are coming out of of, of people doing that, which I think is really cool because you're getting to see cars that we didn't get to see race. I mean, if you yeah. weren't there in person, that are you actually getting to be out there? I mean, they sound yeah. so much better. We, we, we when Richard Greer was here, we were talking about his Ferrari. <laughs> That's always always surprised yeah. me. The older F1 cars always look like uh, 
They look like go karts. They're so small now. They're, yeah, they're so, oh, like, they're so cars are so large now. They were so small then. It was just like man. yeah. Well, his three twelve. Yeah, it was just a tiny little jewel of a thing. I mean, well, I think, you stand think, next to it, and you're like, there's nothing there. It's I think incredible. that's why I'm thinking of it because we were ta- we were listening to your interview yeah. with Adam Carolla, and you were talking about Nikki Lauder's car and how yeah, small the, it was. Yeah, it was just before. Yeah, yeah. It was just before Pebble last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, no, yeah. It's, so, uh, but it's it's interesting to, those cars, and I'm glad to see that that they're they're. One that, that the companies are releasing them, or, or they're coming out of private, you know, sitting and things like that. But yeah. it's always interesting to see because watching TV, you don't quite understand what the car is. Well, the events so. that should be on everybody's bucket list mm-hmm. are, and they may seem unattainable, but you can do it. it. Are things like the you know the Monaco Historic Classic and and Le Mans Classic and things like that? Because just as you're saying, you get to see these things, and we're not always going to have that opportunity. No. It's already dwindling a little bit how much risk people are willing to put their equipment under to, you know, to, to do these events. But it, it, it changes your entire perspective to see them run and go on a track, even if they're not going quite as fast as they did in period. And there's Still. no Nikki Lauda in the past in the driver's seat. Um, those events are just transcendent. And, and as an enthusiast, even if you're not really into racing, it's, it's absolute heaven to have things like that just operating at full chat near you. You know, it's, it's really, really special. So. Is there anything on your list you haven't done that you want to go? What's on, I, your, what's the, on your bucket list? The, the Millamelia is on my mm. bucket list. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I've, that would I, be fun. I never, I've never made it there, and uh, I think that would be incredible. And I know a number of people have done it, and I'll rave about it. It's, uh, it's apparently pretty arduous and uh, a little stressful, but it's the type of thing that I think you kind of—I'd love to do once, you know. Uh, but road rallies, like I said, driving for me is is where it's at, and road rallies are are my favorite type of event. You know, just do you, have you done a bunch of the ones here? I mean, have you done any of the rallies around here? I, I have not done a lot of local stuff. I have to say, I, I I've, I've, uh, it, it's a little bit weird. I, my, my local car scene is is kind of me and a few friends, and and they go on drives and things like that. And that may have something to do with doing it professionally and and spending all my professional hours doing cars and talking to other people about cars. But, <laughs> um, but no, I haven't. Uh, I know there's, I know there's been lots of great, great rallies, and I know lots of people that have done them and that just love them. So I. It's it's on it's certainly on my list of things to do is to get a little more involved around here. There's some really yeah. good ones in Canada, and we run our of course Seamont, but there's. You didn't yeah. want to talk about Canada, Dan. Move on. No, no, no I love Canada. <laughs> I didn't. You know, I, I had to come back. Yeah. it wasn't by choice. Exactly. Yeah. No, <laughs> out, man. That, no, the rallies in Canada in particular, I've heard wonderful things. About. They're so scenic. Yeah. You yeah. can't go as fast in Canada. Uh, they'll pull your car. We've talked about that before. Thirty kilometers over, and they take your car up there, but. It allows for a different type of rally. Like it's so beautiful up there. And the roads, though, like they don't have interconnecting roads like we do. You can't mm. go a, a thousand different ways to the same city up there. It's like, you have this one highway. That's it. Because that's the only one we made. Unless yeah. you have an off-road vehicle. <laughs> so, But it's just so pretty up there. I'd recommend anybody do a rally up there when we can get back up there, that is. Yeah, when we're so blessed, right? Yeah. What yeah. You, what's in your stable now for cars? You've got the 911 you've mentioned. I've got the what 74 else? 911. I uh, just this last year bought a 74 Alpha GTV. Oh, Oop. cool. Very cool. Yep, which I absolutely love. I've had a few of those, and uh, this is the best one I've had, which is which is great. Um, and then I have a 77 Ford pickup truck. It's hard to be in the 70s Ford pickup truck. Which kind of have to. I was going to say that another answer to your question yeah. about what's kind of hot and everything. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. pickup oh. trucks and four-wheel drive yeah. vehicles have become. And, and there's a lot, of, a lot of that has to do with affordability. I mean, if you only want to spend ten, fifteen, twenty, twenty-five thousand dollars, you're really running out of really interesting stuff yep. that you can buy at least a nice example of. It seems these days. I mean, unfortunately, nine elevens just keep going up in value while they've dipped. But you know, they it's it, it gets hard for for people. So it's it's a, I think a real natural progression for things like my Ford pickup truck to become popular because they give you so much pleasure. They really do. If it's rainy, you can literally climb into the engine compartment, close the hood, and work <laughs> <Right>? on it. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm wondering if we're going to see a big bump in the vintage Broncos now that the new. Broncos well, there's already been a big uh, yeah. bump. In well, but I'm saying I'm 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 wondering if it's going to be even bigger even if more. we're really going to see because you know a lot of those like a lot of those Broncos have been taken to Southern California. They've been modified and, and they're not there. But like the original original Broncos, like where you know you got the original suspension, like we were talking about originality. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm okay with it. You, have you seen Jay Leno's latest one that they they put that. Yes. Oh God, what, they put the engine from, oh, they from put a the GT500 engine with but, a manual. But you look cool. The, the car was a joke, and it was it, Craig Ferguson gave it to him as a joke, and they restored it. But I mean, you look at it from the outside, you really can't tell. I mean, you can you can tell by the suspension, but it, it's got that classic look of a Bronco. So yeah, there's a, I have a coworker who's doing a Bronco resto mod. He's got a uh, Coyote 5.0 swap going into it. 
Um, there's a guy uh, or company, excuse me, out of uh, Vancouver, BC, actually, who specializes in resto mod Broncos, and they'll do two spec aluminum frame everything. Really cool stuff. I, yeah. I mean, I, I the Bronco. If I had a Bronco, I mean, I, I, and I've lo- I've been looking. I've been seriously going on the Ford website and specking and doing oh, that all the too. time. I haven't. I didn't. Do, I didn't. I don't need a car right now, but. Original Bronco. <laughs> Don't start. <laughs> Don't start. Uh, but like original, original Bronco. I think that would be a really fun car to drive. I yeah, think. and they're so hard to find. I mean, That's if you, yeah. I mean, if if you want to yeah. look for something hot right now, go look for a barn find, Bronco. rust free, yeah. uncut Bronco. <laughs> yeah. Good luck with that. Yeah. yeah good luck. Yeah. It's I mean, never they, been run into a rock. They were or, all. Yeah. They. I mean, they were such robust vehicles. They were just driven into the ground, and then of course all of them had the fender flares cut off of them yep. in the rear because you couldn't put a big tire on yep. it, and they've been lifted and all this kind of craziness. So. They're they're great vehicles though. I would love to have one. I like the, I like the mid seventies stuff like that. I think I think it'd be fun to kind of see some of the older Ford trucks. Like I had a seventy one Ford truck and I loved it. Yeah. I, I I mean, as this is redneck as it is, I traded a gun for that truck. Like I gave him a gun, <laughs> he gave me a truck. And, and I different think, times. I think the truck ran a lot better. It was legal. Like we we did. Okay. I, oh, I know. So, I'm, so just saying, so, yeah. I'm just saying different time to that but you can still do truck. that. It was a great truck. Like I mean, it, it 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 ran when I wanted to run, and I mean, I literally mean, I mean, it broke down one time and it was raining, and I I climbed on the engine, closed the hood almost, and worked on the truck. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you know, yeah. it's a great time. And so. my truck, my truck is really interesting because it was it, it was original owner. And so I found it on Craigslist, you know, on my iPad one night, and I called the first thing the next morning. It was being sold by his son, but he was still alive. He was 100 years old, and he bought it new. Oh, wow. And he was a Boeing engineer, and he bought a new truck and a new travel trailer on, like, the same week right when he retired in 1977. And all of the paperwork, everything, everything, his brochures, the salesperson's card, and, like, two-inch file of receipts came with this truck. And And unfortunately, the guy passed on five days after I bought it and I had to meet the son again to clarify some paperwork, something for the DMV. And he said, you know, my, my dad passed away yesterday. You took that and guy's said, truck and he died. Isn't this so, <laughs> but he said, and I, I hate to be, mor- I hate to be morbid. morbid yeah. No, but he said, he said, I told him that I sold his truck to a really great guy who was really going to love it and everything. Oh, that's awesome. And it was just like completely original. Had all these, has all these gauges, like old man gauges and everything, you know. Yeah, the, the, what awesome. do they call that? The suicide knob yeah, on the wheel? Suicide knob. <laughs> great. Yeah. Had camper I, on the back. I yeah, love it yeah. when you get a car like you, and you see, you'll see them at auction and they've got the book. You know, you can always yeah. tell the books, and it, you know, original, original window sheet, original, you know, and you look at it and you go, God, they paid what for that? And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, when it comes to, you know, advice that we give people a lot and, and we try to operate as a resource for not only our clients, but other people we meet in the, you know, who are maybe new to the collector car hobby is documenting what you have is it's, I mean, if you can think about it like money in the bank, I mean, yeah. it also, mm-hmm. it also accentuates your own ownership experience but it really, really helps when it's time to move a car on to have at least something. I mean, have some magazine clippings, at least save your service receipts, but but put things in order, you know, and and document your your time with a car because it's really important to the next to the next owner. And that's oftentimes. not just for for auction cars. I mean, in general, I mean, do, doing that. Any car is an auction yeah. car. Eventually, I mean, it doesn't True. matter if you've got a new car. I mean, just don't don't be you know don't be someone who's just like discarding things. Like that, it really, really pays off. And and obviously, when we get a car, and that blue 750 Monza is a great example, uh, you know, that we were talking about on the cover of this catalog. I mean, it's a car that had been owned, you know, by the guy for, I don't know, it was over 50 years. And it had everything from his entire ownership experience in that wow. file. He, he, I mean, Jay Leno had him on with that car. Yeah. And it was a great story. I mean, it was a, I'm, I don't remember the whole thing, but it was a really great story behind that car and why it was that color and, and yeah. what, yeah, so. Admiral. Admiral Phillips was his name. Yeah, yes. wonderful guy, yeah. and just we talk one of the words that comes up a lot with us was stewardship and and really taking care of a car and being a great steward of it and its story and its history and, and treating it right and everything like that and and holding on to that kind of documentation is just part and parcel to that. Yeah, we don't own cars; we're just caretakers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, let's take our next break, and we'll come back. We'll talk a little more about uh, some stories and events. We'll be right back. Grandpa, what do you call this thing again? It's a 66 Ford Bronco. I think you got ripped off. Why is that, honey? It's got no Wi-Fi, no USB port, no Bluetooth. Exactly. I guess we'll just have to talk. Sometimes the best way to connect is to disconnect. Is that the window button? It's called a window crank. Cool. The faster I move it, the faster it goes down. This moment of escape was created by Haggerty. Being old is kind of cool, Grandpa. Works for me. For people who love cars. And we're back. Um, so we didn't go to Monterey this year, obviously, because there was no Monterey this year. 
Um, well, technically, it wouldn't have happened yet, but yes. Yeah. It, Thanks we, for making me sad, Dan. <laughs> we're going to Wyoming and playing in Yeah, boats. that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Wyoming's good. Yeah. 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 Love Jackson Hole. Um, so. <laughs> if we get to Jackson, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So uh, what are you guys doing? Are you guys doing the online stuff? How's that working out for auctions now? Are you guys just going fully online to compensate? I mean. Yeah. You know, the online space is something that that's uh, from a sales standpoint that we wanted to do um, regardless of the pandemic. So that was, those were plans that we kind of had in place. The postponement of, you know, uh, of auctions this year has, has, I think forced everybody's hand a little bit. And so it's, it's moved up our plans and focused us, uh, you know, on, uh, on the online space. So we've developed a platform and our first sale, actually the, today's the 27th. It went live this morning. The catalog did online and bidding starts August 3rd and will run through August 8th. So we've got, I think it's roughly 55 cars and 75 total lots, including 20 lots of really cool automobilia. Um, uh, and, uh, and so we're really excited about it. It really is going to enable getting a company to better serve our clients, whether it be um, in flexibility in terms from a commission standpoint to being able to offer automobilia and, and, and things like that. It's, it's really a great thing to have, you know, in our in our toolbox. Well, let's let's walk through that real quick because I'm curious. I'm, yeah, I'm how does bo- it work? Yeah, I'm about, to put, I'm about yeah. to put my Porsche up for sale. In case listeners want my Turbo S, it's going to go for sale here. Well, anytime someone wants to buy it, because um, I'm going to go buy an R8. But uh, like, say, how would I how would I do that? Like, if I just said, hey, I want to go auction my car. Like, what yeah, process so do I go through? Submitting cars to us is really easy. You just find me or any of my colleagues at you know goodingco.com, and you'd submit your car through you know an online form or directly to us through email. Um, we review submissions as a group and we basically will get back to you with number one, whether we think we can help you, whether it's a car we think is appropriate for our sales. And if so, we'll kind of, we'll, we'll talk to you about a proposal and proposed terms and, uh, which auction we can put it in, whether it's an online auction or a live auction. And it's important to point out that we're not going to get out of the live auction space. The same, oh, yeah, the good. same, yeah, the same three auctions that we've always done are, are still scheduled as soon as we can have them. Uh, in addition to our passion of a lifetime, uh, London sale, which we had to postpone. Um, and it hopefully will happen by the end of the year. Um, but yeah, submitting, you know, cars for our consideration, I guess is, is a really easy task where we get back to every single submission and uh, happy to have a conversation with anybody about any car at any time. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't know that it was like a like a people didn't just go put their car for auction. I never really understood how that worked. So that's good to know. So I mean, with an online auction, and 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 excuse these terms I'm using, but everybody thinks of like eBay and stuff like that. Are, is it going to be a live auction so you can view the car online, you can get all the specs, and then at a certain time you're auctioning it off online, or is it a continual bid thing until the end? How's it work? Yeah, it'll be a continual bid thing okay. until the end. So it's a, it's a, it's starts on the 3rd and then ends, I think, that the lots start ending um, at noon Pacific on the 8th, which okay. is, I believe, is Saturday. And um, so, so yeah, we'll, we'll have a, it'll be familiar to people that are familiar with online auctions. You know, there'll be bid increments you can choose from or you can manually enter a max bid. Um, the, the online descriptions are very robust with even more photos because we're working in the virtual world now. So we've got great, robust, you know, photo arrays. We've got all of the background files for the car scanned and available for registered bidders to view. Um, and yeah, it'll go over a period of time. And then we have an anti-sniping feature like, like, you know, you've seen in other places at the end of the sale. So cool. it'll continue on until, uh, you know, last man standing, I guess. That's really cool. <laughs> but we're really excited. We've got a great lineup of cars. I mean, there's some really great stuff. There's, I mentioned earlier for our 275 GTB, we've got, a um, an F40, F50 and an Enzo all from one owner. Wow. Two of which are one-owner cars. The F40 only has 4,700 miles, I think, and it's one owner, and it's a U.S. spec 92 with original paint. I mean, really just top-level stuff. And then even down into the lower-level the lower, the lower level cars, price-wise, there's a lot of quality. We've got, uh, you know, motorcycles and stuff, and then our, our automobilia stuff is just really, really cool. GTO seats for our GTO seats. Well, oh, that's I mean, cool. That's yeah. really cool. I mean, just just yeah. really, really neat. A perpe- Things you didn't know you needed. A perpetual, <laughs> yeah, a perpetual calendar that, that used to be for, like, Ferrari dealerships in the 60s and 70s, and... I, I love that stuff. I love the the, the old memorabilia. There's a, a guy auctioning off a pre-energy efficient Porsche sign. So Porsche made a big switch in all the dealerships to go LED for their signs for energy efficiency. And he's auctioning off an original Porsche. Like it 
sign, like that you'd have on the outside of a dealer. So it's like 15 feet long. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe more than Something that. Something your it's neighbors huge. really love you for. Oh, yeah. man. If I had a giant garage and, and I was a Porsche guy. Oh, yeah. And like, your significant other as well, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, I sent it to Doug. I, I was like, you should put it up in, in Driver's the Club. I was like, yeah. put it up in Driver's Club. That'd be awesome to have on a wall. It would yeah. look good Porsches. in here. Yeah, it would look awesome in yeah. here, right? And it's, yeah. uh, I think that he wants like 13000 or something for it. But I mean, Yikes. specialized signs like that. Find another one, right? Yeah, exactly. Find another one. He's the only one. He's a sign collector. So the guy knows what he's got. But it was pretty cool to see stuff like that. And I love seeing that stuff at auctions. I have seen that stuff go before. Like I mentioned, if I was a Ferrari collector and I was at that level of wealth, you know, yeah, a pair of GTO seats that I have in my office, yeah, I would totally do that. That'd be so cool. Totally. I, the, the classic neon stuff. Like, I've, I mean, yeah. you and I have talked about, like, the mobile mobile gas stuff and yeah. the gas pumps. I love that stuff. <laughs> Where were we at? There was a Shell station. Oh, we're on Front Street yeah. in uh, Issaquah, and there's yeah, an old the Shell station. Shell? And I'm like, we need to come here and just take a photo. This yeah. is really cool. We need to drive the, the Triumph here. Well, there's that, and there's in, uh, Is- in uh, Ellensburg, there's that mobile... Yeah. Yeah, place. There's oh, is there? Oh, I don't think I've seen that one. Yeah. Carl oh, actually cool. told us about it. Apparently, apparently it's a, a full-on vintage mobile gas station, but it's in, in a diner or something. Carl like would know. Yeah. yeah. Carl, Carl would knows know. all the good places. Exactly. Yeah. That's, yeah. Now that sounds great. No, yeah. adding automobile, we haven't been able to sell much automobilia in our live auctions. The, you know, the auctions can only be so long and the, the lot spaces are mm-hmm. relatively valuable. And so we haven't really delved into it too heavily, but we're really excited about doing it. We've always been really excited about it. It's something it's that we all we all dabble in ourselves as specialists. And David yeah. Gooding has got his own stuff. And so when once we put the word out to a few people that we were going to be able to do that for this first online sale, people were like, "How about this incredible, you know, thing?" Yeah. And sure, so we'll, it, we'll we'll think about it. No, it's been it's it, and I think people are really going to appreciate uh, the opportunity to to look at something like that on our site and not just not just cars. I think it's a I think it's yeah. a great thing. No, yeah, I think you'll have collectors that'll love that stuff. Yeah. I, if I was in had the money, I'd have a lot more of now it. Now I know I'm sure. not going to bed till two o'clock tonight because I'm gonna be on there. Be like, Ooh, I want that. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna have more of those sales coming up. It's not you know cool. we're, not, we're not just we're not just filling a hole that's left by the pandemic. It's no. definitely something that's a long term plan. Always has been for us, and so we're we're really looking forward to extending it out uh, and having it be sistered in with our live sales. Yeah. Excellent. Um, are you an, you are an Avance member? I've seen you on there. Right? I'm an Avance yeah, member. Okay. Yeah, and it's easy to remember your name. So it's like, yeah, I know I've seen you on the Avance <laughs> no. page. Are you, have you done any track time? I have not been at a track day for some time. When gosh, when was my last track day? I think it was probably like 2007. I used to drive my 911 on the track when I owned it first mm-hmm. time, and then I had a WRX that I did a little track stuff with. Um, and I think the last time was like 07. Yeah. So no, that's that's another thing that I'd really love to to get back into. I. I've always, I've always been a huge fan. Well, your timing is perfect because there's a track day at the Ridge from 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. with Avance. <laughs> oh, wow. What is that? <laughs> uh, Saturday the 1st is our next Avance event. Uh, oh. 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. We, Nick and I, of course, will be out of town. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, HPDE. So uh, fully coached. Super important. Um, it's not a lapping day, for, but uh, this is a great time. It's like I said, it's the best investment you'll ever make in your car for modifications. It's a track day and some instruction. And it's the most fun you'll ever have in your car. Avance so. is a great network, and that sounds that sounds great. And being coached is key, really. Yeah, we've had you, a lot of coaches on the show. Yeah, Good guys. You, yeah, definitely. I was lucky enough to go through Dirtfish and get a little rally instruction, which was so fun. Had Mirko. Those guys are there. so great out yeah. there. Yeah, so much fun. I, I just I can't believe how Again, much fun that was. I knew it was going to be fun. Yeah, but yeah. that's one of those yeah. experiences where you're like, okay, that was worth it. You mean right. I don't have to do this in a snowy parking lot in a in a high school? Right, right. <laughs> and I get to do it in someone else's car. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So if I break it, you fix it. Oh, I like I this deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. A lot yeah. of sideways out there. Yeah. We've all done that, especially in Subaru. All Subaru guys, you you know, snowy parking lot. High school, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only thing we've got coming up right away with Avance, but there's a ton of stuff that's in the works. Some I'm super excited about that we can't talk about yet, but I can't wait for, to make that announcement on the show. Um, but there's, they have a bunch of drives that are details to be announced in September. I think there's a, I t- um, definitely going to be great with Avance. The last drive they did around Mercer Island and stuff, it was like almost 200 cars. I see more cars driving around with a Vance license. I know, like, I love it. It's, it's so funny. Like, I see them all the time. And I and I feel so stupid half the time where I'm like I'm like waving at somebody. Like, <laughs> I was I was driving home in the Triumph one day and a guy drove by me and I don't know it was like a it was a it was a wagon he had a Vance thing I sped up to him and I, I had my Vance sweatshirt on and I must have looked like an idiot I was like. <laughs> and he's like, he was. It wasn't connecting. Like, it's, yeah. like, it's like, yeah, go away, little point, man. Point, pointing at your <laughs> yeah, chest. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I have a funny story. I don't know if it's from. It's it's not from. I don't know if it's. I know him through Avance. Mm-hmm. He's an Avance member. I have no idea who it is. Um, he's in a blue Subaru STI, really nice, clean one. 
we were at a stoplight here on my way in here, stopped next to me, and he rolled out his window. He's like, hey, Dan. And I was like, uh, hi. I have no idea who this is. And he said, he said, listen to your show. And I was like, oh, thank oh, God. God. Thank God. <laughs> Fame. Fame. Hey, are you, Dan? Getting... I'm serving you. Yeah, yeah right. Exactly. <laughs> <That's the papers. laughs> yeah. You Congratulations, know. you're a father. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <God>. Pretty much. <laughs> Don't joke about that. Worst yeah. nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> Kids are beautiful if they're somebody else's. Yeah, but yeah. Avance has really grown. Adam, I mean, Adam does such a great job. He's such a nice guy, and, and that he's just, yeah. it's growing and growing and growing. I mean, the, I mean, even if you just look at it from a benefits standpoint with our discounts and stuff, it's incredible. It's an incredible deal. And then the, the network, even just on social media, is really, really helpful. It's you, there's nothing you can't it's get fantastic. answered like, it, It's great. It has grown to the point where there's not a single thing you can't have answered. Like, yeah. somebody yeah. will know something, you know. And it somehow becomes kind of almost your go-to. I wonder what those guys think. Oh, yeah. yeah. It is yeah, my yeah, go-to. Yeah. I like that it's really, the, the vibe is very self-policed. Like, if somebody says something rude, somebody will say back without being a jerk, hey, dude, don't stop, say stuff like that. Like, it's immediately, like, the community is not support being rude. I really, really appreciate that because yeah. people who ask questions that may seem dumb to some people are not dumb questions. We emphasize that to death on the show. Like yeah. somebody says, you know, somebody's brand new to cars and they're new to Avance. It's perfect because they can say, hey, I don't know what tires I should get. And we're like, here's, here you go. Yeah. That's not a stupid question. Well, that's one of the things with getting a company that we try to, we try to make sure that our clients understand is that we're here, like I mentioned earlier, as like a resource. I mean, we, we don't know everything, but we certainly have been through a lot of different cars and through a lot of different kind of ownership scenarios. And we know what works and what doesn't in a lot of ways. And we invite people to contact us and ask us. And, you know, it's, it's, it's nice to have second opinions, third opinions. Maybe someone has a different perspective, you know, the set of eyes, as they say, right? Yeah. So well, many times I've thought I knew exactly what the answer was. And, I, and you, you go to Avance or you go to a, a website or, or something like that. And it's like, oh, yeah, I didn't think about that. And that is right. <laughs> yeah. 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 So. yeah. Uh, no, it's, it's true. If our listeners do want to get a hold of you, say somebody wants to look at auction stuff or has more questions, how do they get a hold of you? Yeah, our website is www.goodingco.com. Goodingco. Goodingco. Goodingco.com. And then uh, I'm on social media. You could grab me there. My contact details are, are on the website as well. Okay. And uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm an, I'm an open resource for, for anybody who wants to give me a jingle. I'd love to love to talk to anybody. And our sales are, are open to the public. You know, we have an entry fee if you want to come to our, one of our live sales. It's a great time. We get the world's greatest auctioneer. Anybody who's been to them basically yeah. tells us that they have a wonderful time, whether they're interested in looking at buying a car or not. Yeah, you don't have to have a you don't have to have any interest in buying a car to have a good time at an auction. It's actually tons of fun just to go. You don't have to have any interest in buying anything to have it be worth your while. Oh, I highly it, recommend everybody it, go to the auctions. It really is. Yeah, it's yeah. fun. It's a it's a fun vibe. Yeah. Yeah, but um, you know, make sure you keep your hands in your pockets. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, no waving at the free popcorn. Yeah, no. I'm yeah. over here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God, I do not do that. It yeah. happens. Yeah. It happens. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've <laughs> seen it happen where they're like, "That one doesn't count." <laughs> yes. Yeah. Exactly. I'm poor. I take that back. Okay, good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming in and sharing, t- taking time, and and you know, obviously you're busy right now, and I'm, I wish you guys nothing but the best with the online auction. I look forward to. The in-person auctions again and the, the automobile stuff. That's going to be great. Yeah, thank so, you for yeah. having me. It's great to be on. Yeah, yeah. Right. I really appreciate it. Thanks again, Hans. All right, for this episode of Rain City Supercars, I'm Nick. I'm Dan. And don't just get there. Enjoy the drive. <laughs>